And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. That's from Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 32. Those that call on the name of the Lord. It's been something that's been on my mind for a while, and in, in talking to others, and I'm starting to see a few others that are speaking about this, that it's been on their mind to think through what is the proper name of the Lord. I'm going to start off, and I'm because most people will recognize the name Jesus, so I'm going to use the name Jesus. I'm going to talk through all the other names that he has called that we know of. And just trying to sort through, I don't have an answer, but there's a lot more to the story. A lot of people will brush this off and say that it's not important, it's just that he knows what's in your heart. But I want to read something that I think is worth noting to be careful to not think through these matters deeply and to just brush it off and say, He knows what's in my heart. In Matthew 15, I'm going to start from verse 1 and read through because I wanted to have the context. Again, with everything that I read, I ask that you go back and read the full chapters, full books, to make sure that you have the full context. And read for yourself and see if you come to the same conclusions. But it says this in chapter 15 of Matthew. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be, up, will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. 
For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. It's what comes out of the mouth based on the condition of the heart. Jesus also tells us that we will be held accountable for every idle word. What we say is important. And the condition of the heart is going to determine what comes out of the mouth. And if an attitude is adopted in which it doesn't really matter, that would be the condition of the heart and therefore it does not matter to that person what comes out of the mouth. And that could defile a person because it doesn't matter to them. It is not of importance. So I ask you to think about things and read for yourself. To pray about them, but not brush them off and take things as not important. I think it's very important to be considering these things, especially now as we are seeing the events that are being built up in the world. Those that are listening, most recently I'm seeing from Estonia and Poland, but other listeners that are in Eastern Europe or Russia that are listening to this know a lot more about what is happening around Ukraine and Eastern Europe into Russia than a lot of the rest of the world. The United States, for the most part, is blind to what is happening over there. Likewise, those that are in the Middle East, around Iran, Israel, know a lot more about what is happening in that region of the world. Those that are in Azerbaijan or Armenia know a lot more about what's happening. Those that are in Taiwan, China, areas of the southeast know what is going on in each individual region and my guess is they see that there is a building to something that is coming that the rest of the world doesn't quite recognize because they aren't seeking and the mainstream news isn't telling them. But I think it's important for us to then think through the names I'm going to use the name Jesus because it's most recognized as far as I know. But Jesus is a derived name from transliteration. It's, it seems to me to be a little bit of a game of moving letters around versus translation, which is the passing of the meaning of the name, which in English would be Joshua or Yeshua, not Jesus. And he refers to his father as father. So I'm going to look at the father as father, just as Jesus, Yeshua, or Joshua said. But then also, Jesus is called the Son of God. And the Son of Man is what he uses, speaking almost in a third-person point of view. But if you look at chapter 16 of Matthew 16, you'll see the Son of God. He first asks, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? 
And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So there he is, the Son of the living God. Then for an example, if we look to Matthew 24, starting in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven, of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in the heaven, or in heaven, the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So Jesus is his name in transliteration. Joshua is his name in translation. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because the fact that he is the son of the living God was revealed to him. But then he goes on and speaks about himself in third person as the Son of Man. That's the one that I want to look at first and really actually explore primarily is the Son of Man. I think it's important to at least look at this. I don't have an answer. And again, I do not claim to be a prophet, I don't claim to be a teacher. I'm a man that's studying and finds things and I share them with the hope of encouraging you to read and seek for yourself. Not to listen to the doctrines of men, but to read the words and listen through the Holy Spirit. Now if we look at the Son of Man, I'm going to go back and start in Genesis Chapter 2. If you start in verse 4, you will see it says this. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Notice it's the heavens and the earth. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. What day was that? If you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It appears that chapter 2, we are seeing what happens in chapter 1, verse 1. And it almost seems that there are two separate Creations, because if you read through Genesis chapter 1, you go through a few days, the first five days of creation, and then man is, or mankind that is made in their image, a plural, doesn't happen until day 6. But if you read through Genesis chapter 2, it says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. In, chapter, in verse 5 it says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, 
And no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. If you'll notice, there wasn't the rest of creation mentioned there yet. There wasn't all the plants that had grown up and all the animals that were created in days one, two, three, four, five. This all happens before that. And then it goes on to talk in chapter 3 about the fall. Chapter 4 about Adam and Eve with Cain and Abel. And if you notice in chapter 2, it's talking about the generations of the heavens and the earth. Because by the time we get to chapter 5, we see something different. Now first, let's look at the names as we're going through this chapter 2, 3, and 4. I ask you to read for yourself, because I'm jumping to chapter 5. But the names of what is being mentioned here in those first chapters is Adam, which means man. Eve, which Adam refers to as the mother of all living, but it seems flesh. Then Cain, who means spear-bearer or political leader. Then Abel. Abel gets into a little bit of a a mix, and these are coming from abarampublications.com, the etymology of these names. But Abel, it says, means either vanity or breath. Then if you go into it, it has another stream of etymology, and it refers to things that are mixed with oil or to drive a stream. Abel seems to be one of the names that's a little bit confused, and later on there's a city called Abel. But I want to point out something very interesting in chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Adam meaning man. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. If you notice, this is the generations of Adam, and there's no mention of Cain or Abel. The generations of Adam, with no mention of Cain or Abel. It goes to Seth. Seth then, based on what is being said in chapter 5, would be the first son of man. Something else happened in the garden when Eve was deceived, and so was Adam. And from Eve came Cain and Abel. It does not mention that it that Cain or Abel are in the generations of Adam. But it first mentions Seth. Is Seth the first son of man? Because Seth means set, appointed, the foundation. First son of man. It's the foundation. Now there's something else I want to point out. The, the name Enoch. Enoch means inaugurated or trained. And there's two separate Enochs. And so don't get them confused. 
The first Enoch comes out of the line of Cain. It's his son, and he names the city Enoch. The second Enoch, which is the one that walked with God. There's the whole book of Enoch referring to this one. He is in the line of Seth. Now I'm going to turn to the book of Enoch, chapter 70, and I'm going to read through 16 through 19. The Ancient of Days came with Michael and Gabriel, Raphael and Phenuel, with thousands of thousands and myriads and myriads, which could not be numbered. Then that angel came to me, and with his voice saluted me, saying, You are the Son of Man, who art born for righteousness, and righteousness has rested upon you. The righteousness of the Ancient of Days shall not forsake you. And he said, On you shall he confer peace in the name of the existing world, and from thence has peace gone forth since the world was created. There's something pretty interesting that happens with Enoch. If you haven't read through the book of Enoch, I would encourage you to do so. But then I want to show something very similar to what we, to what we see there in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to start in chapter 7 at verse 9. As I look, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all the people, people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." We're talking about the Son of Man before the birth of Jesus. This is what Daniel is seeing, and this is what we're, we also see similarly in Enoch. Now, there's a couple other names, like we've talked about Joshua, that you will see throughout the prophets. In 1 Samuel, the book of Joshua, for example, but there's reference to Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, Joshua is the proper translation of Yeshua. And then he is the son of Nun. Nun is from the verb Nun, to propagate or greatly increase. It says in Barum Publications, that's the etymology, and then it says, 
The meaning is posterity or fish. None is also where we get the word Nineveh. Nineveh from the verb also none, to propagate strongly, possibly combined with the verb nawe, to be a seat of government. Jesus talks about the men of Nineveh in chapter 12 because they repented, they will rise up at the end. We also see Oshia, O-S-H-E-A, and he is also referred to as the son of Nun. Osha means salvation from the verb yasha, very similar to Yeshua, and it means to save. I don't think that what we have been taught and how simplified all of this has been made through the doctrines of men and through religious institutions, I think they have hidden things from us and we will be made aware and surprised when this is all finally revealed to us. Now, do I, do I know that Seth is the same as Jesus? No. Do I know that Joshua is the same Joshua? I don't. Is Oshia the same? No, I don't know. But they have the same meaning. And when you read through the stories, you can see the parallel. I don't know how this all plays out, but we can see something very interesting in Matthew 17 that might give us some clue as to what is going on. In Matthew chapter 17, it's addressing the issue of Elijah, starting at verse 10 through 13. Now I'm going to start at 9. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do you, the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased so also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking of, or speaking to them of John the Baptist. What Jesus tells us in Matthew 17 is that Elijah already came, but he has a, had a different name. He came as Elijah, but then he also came as John the Baptist. Is it something that we can see that from the book of Enoch, Enoch is declared as the one that will be the son of man, that will have this authority. Enoch meaning inaugurated or trained. A process that he walked through as the son of man, Seth, Enoch, Joshua, Oshia, different names referring to the same person from different cultures. But then coming now, not being born of man in the same, same way that we look at it because the Son of Man, as Yeshua, Jesus, Joshua, didn't have an earthly father. He passed through Mary, but he wasn't conceived by a man. 
So Jesus, as the time when we see through the Gospels, he wouldn't necessarily be a son of man. He came through a woman, but wasn't the son of a man. But he would be if he was Seth, the firstborn son of Adam, man, and was trained as Enoch and walked through as Joshua or Oshia, the son of Nun, N-U-N. I don't know if this is exactly how this works. And I want to be extremely, extremely careful to respect the authority of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But there is something way more that has played out than what we understand because of the way this has all been overly simplified or the games that have been played through its translation or transliteration, depending on how you want to look at it. I tend to focus on translation. It's the meaning that passes. Transliteration, to me, seems to be a little bit of a a word game to confuse. But again, it's just something that I ask you to think about to read through for yourself, because I don't have the answers. But there's a lot more in this book than people will give credit to or respect to. And again, I don't want to, by any means, show anything less than ultimate respect and honor to our Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Godspeed.